In your Bible, if you would please turn with me to the book of 2 Corinthians chapter number 6. And uh, we welcome all of you by live stream and by radio, wherever you are around the world. And uh, some of you folk are listening out in California around the Oakland area. If I was you, I'd change t-shirts before I left town. <laughs> and we do have some folks out there at that game tonight or today. And, and I'm sure uh, they, I could buy their t-shirts tonight pretty cheap, don't you imagine? All right. Well, the great Apostle Paul is, is a tremendous, tremendous Christian. I feel backslid about half the time, every time I read of his writings. Uh, but they're there for our, admission, our, our admonition and encouragement not to discourage us. And Paul does not want to discourage us. He wants to encourage us in the Lord. And for five chapters, he's been defending himself to the church at Corinth. And they have begun to ridicule, to run him down, call him a deceiver, a liar, not an, an apostle, a fraud, a fake, if you please. I imagine that bears heavy on an individual who went to the most heathen city in that area. And there singly-handed and went soul in and dug out a church called the church at Corinth. Had he had not gone, there would be no church. Had he had not suffered and stayed with it, there would be no church called Corinth. Had he acquit, there'd be no letters to the church of Corinth to encourage us and to admonish us and to instruct us. So after five chapters of defending himself, the Apostle Paul begins in chapter 6, 2 Corinthians, with this admonition. We then... As workers together with him. Beseech you also that you receive not the grace of God in vain. Then he quotes a verse out of Isaiah chapter 49 and verse 8. For he saith, I have heard thee in a time accepted who? God. Paul said, for God saith, he saith, I have heard thee in a time accepted, and in the day of salvation I have succored thee. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Given no offense in anything, that the ministry be not blamed. But in all things are proven ourselves as the ministers of God. In much patience, in afflictions, in necessities, in distresses, in stripes, in imprisonments, in turmoils, in labors, in watchings, and in fastings. He said, in all of those things, there was no doubt. I was a minister of God. Approving ourselves by pureness, by knowledge, 
by long suffering, by kindness, by the Holy Ghost, by love unfeigned, and by the word of truth, by the power of God, by the armor of righteousness on the right hand and on the left, by honor and dishonor, by evil reporting, good report, as deceivers and yet true, as unknown and yet well known, as dying and yet And behold, we live as chastened and not killed, as sorrowful, yet always rejoicing, as poor, yet making many rich, as having nothing, and yet possessing all things. O ye Corinthians, our mouth is open unto you, and our heart is enlarged. You are not straightened in us, but you are straightened in your own bowels. Now for a recompense in the same, I speak unto you, unto, unto my children, as unto my children, be also enlarged. Paul here tonight seems to be make an appeal to this church, the church at Corinth. You know the church that's full of babies? Uh, You know the church that just was so puffed up, they allowed open fornication to go on inside the church. You know the church is getting drunk at the Lord's Supper. You know the church is arguing about eating things off of idols. Uh, you know, the church had developed uh, sections in the church where that only certain people were allowed to sit in that section. They had a Peter section, they had a Paul section, and they had an Apollos section, and then they had a Jesus section. My Bible said a church, is, anything is divided cannot stand. Amen. And uh, the false teachers had come into the church and absolutely divided it into Four different groups. And Paul is right into this church. And and he makes an appeal. I want you to notice the appeal he makes. It's very simple tonight. Paul's appeal. Secondly, Paul's approval. Let's look at the appeal. If you would please. Look at it if you would be in verse number one. We then as workers together with him. Beseech you also that you receive not the grace of God in vain. Notice in verse 2. For the he saith, you yelled and I listened. You cried and I heard. You needed something and I took care of it. That's what he said in verse number 2. And says, behold, now is the accepted time for you folk over there. Behold, today is the day of salvation. Then he goes on to say, given no offense in anything that the ministry be not blamed. He said, we are workers together with him. And we have strived desperately not to give any offense. In anything that the ministry need not be not blamed. 
Every time a preacher falls morally, they blame the ministry. They do not blame the preacher. They do not blame the preacher's wife. They do not take the damage. It's the ministry that is blamed. And Paul said, you folks over there have been giving me a fit. You've accused me of everything under God's sky. And said, you have done everything you have done. Now, I just want you to know something. We then, as ministers together with him, beseech you that you do not receive the grace of God in vain. And we have been working diligently, given no offense in anything that the ministry may not be blamed. Notice the who under Paul's appeal. We then. Do you know any we's? If this ministry is not successful, it is not my fault. It is our fault. We then, all of us, are ministers for Christ. All of us. Paul said, we then beseech you. Paul said, all of my staff and all of my entourage, everybody that's with me, we then as workers together. Who? Us. What? Notice, if you would please, in verse 1, as workers together. If you ain't got something to do around here, you need to get busy. God does not call spectator Christians. God does not call supervisors. We don't need any more generals around here. We got enough generals. We need some soldiers. Little kids playing outside and, and and daddy was sitting inside watching the ball game. He said, say, uh, uh, I thought them kids was playing war outside. And mama said, yeah, they are. He said, that's the quietest war I ever heard. I hadn't heard a shot. He walked out and there's all the boys sitting on the porch. And daddy looked and said, hey, boys, I thought we was playing war. Little boy said, we are, daddy. We're all generals. We don't need no more generals. What we need is laborers and workers and soldiers that get involved. And I thank God there's no lone wolf that has built this thing and built Paul's ministry. He said, look, I want to share something with you. We then, not I. I have not done it. We then. Church of Corinth was there because Paul went, but it took more than just Paul to build the church and to get people saved. Amen. We then, the who, we then, what labors together. It takes a team. If you don't believe me, ask the Rangers. And they're taking orders and they're taking instructions from the Cowboys, evidently. But uh, uh, it takes a team. 
T-E-A-M. Remember, we had the year of T-E-A-M. Together, everyone accomplishes more. Together, everyone accomplishes more. No place for lone wolves. No place for lone rangers. No place for big me's, little youth. Hey, we're just all on the team. And Paul said, we then, as laborers together, I like that, don't you? How? Notice the word beseech. How do you get people saved? Beseeching. Begging. Pleading. Crying. Preaching is more than just tearing the hide off of somebody's back. Paul said, hey, we beseech you. We beg you. We plead with you. Preaching is begging, pleading, uh, 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 admonishing, encouraging, motivating. Hey, that's what this is all about. It's not about big me's and little you's. Paul said, hey, look, man, I've been beseeching you folks for all this time. That's why some of you are saved. Notice that we then, the who, the what, the how, and then the why. Notice verse 2 or verse 3, giving no offense. Giving no offense. You see that? That the ministry be not blamed. That's why he said in verse number 1, receive not the grace of God in vain. I believe in lifestyle evangelism. I believe that our life ought to mimic the life of Christ and that our life and our behavior and our living should encourage others to Christ. My language, my attitude, the way I speak out in public, the way I carry myself, the tone in which I speak should be encouraging others. And if it is not, The ministry is being blamed. I just believe it makes a difference in how you live. Does it matter how I live? If I want my kids to serve Christ, it does. If I want my boys and my daughters to realize that This is not just a church deal, it's a life deal. It's just not a Sunday and a Wednesday deal, it's an everyday deal. It's an every hour deal. If I want my kids to believe that God is God and that Jesus Christ is real, then I must carry out that every waking moment of the day. Oh, how many have blamed the ministry for this or that. Well, I was going to church and a preacher did this and so I, I don't even go to church anymore. That is your fault. That is your fault. Well, I go to church, but I just can't trust preachers. Do you ever go to the grocery store? How about the service station? How about the theater? Boy, those were trustworthy people, yo. Come on, can you say, man? Well, I'm not going to go back to church because there's some crooked folk down there. You might as well stay home. Because there's going to be crooked folk everywhere you go. But isn't it strange? You always blame the ministry. Uh, Jimmy Swaggers of this world. A.A. Allen's of this world. All of these folks made a mistake and made some bad choices. But 
their name is gone, but the ministry has suffered a hit. Amen, right? Huh? Paul said, you can't accuse me of that. But Paul says, now, let's just put the shoe on the other foot. How about some of you folks that has received the grace of God in vain? Some of you folk pointing your finger at me about being a deceiver, um, being a, a, an absolute fraud. How about some of you folk? You folk ever get drunk at the Lord's Supper? Any of you ladies ever started talking in tongues and babbling and turning flips and didos? <laughs> Paul said, some of you folk have received the grace of God in vain. It has done you no good. Your faith is vain. Your testimony is vain. Your power is vain. And everything about you is vain. He said, let me encourage you. Don't receive the grace of God in vain. Lest all of us, we then, as workers together, don't you think it's a good idea? You say, well, preacher, I would gladly serve God if I had your position. Show up tomorrow morning, you can have it. <laughs> now be a good time to do it right before we sell $2 million worth of bonds and start building a $2 million building. A wonderful time to take over. He said, what you will do, I will starve to death, but I'll enjoy watching you enjoy it. Amen. Brother Jim can always have it if he wants it. But he keeps telling me, I don't want it, preacher. So let's all of us together. The quarterback is no more important than the guy who's hiking the ball. If the guy can't get the ball in the quarterback's hands, unless you're Roger Staubach. I mean, what's our quarterback's name? Tony Romo. That's good. And if you throw five interceptions, it don't make any difference. How many times you get the ball? Over five. I'm just kidding. And in 26 years, I've thrown a lot of interceptions. And I've fumbled a lot. But you've been gracious over the many years. So we then, as laborers together, are to go and beseech lost sinners. We've got a better deal than they've got. Beseech them. Beg them. He that goeth forth weeping, doing what? Bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing their sheaves with them. Go out and compel them. Beg them. Persuade them against their will. We then, as laborers together, I bet you know somebody that you can influence that I cannot influence. There's somebody in your life that loves you and has a care for you that if you asked them to come to church, they'd come. If I went to the door and knocked on the door and told them where I was, they'd slam the door in my face. That's why we, then, as laborers together, 
You beseech who you can beseech. I'll beseech who I can beseech. And when you bring them to church, those you who beseeched, I will continue beseeching them while they're here. Amen. That the ministry be not blamed. Wonderful. Notice, now I'd like to show you something. And before we get into this, I'd, li- I'd like to just make a, a, a preface statement. I'm going to read these next few verses. And I, I'm going to show you the Apostle Paul as he begins to uh, do something in verse number four. Look at verse four. But in all things, approving ourselves as the ministers of God. Now, let me help you something with this. It is said, I'm not sure how how true it is. It is said that it takes a pastor if he were to, in other words, if I were to go to another church tonight and they should call me as a pastor. It is said that it takes five years to pastor the people in that church. Five years before the people approve that pastor. Because there has been so much, so many people disappointed, so many people uh, lied to, so many people deceived, so many people misused, so many people manipulated instead of being motivated. So many people have been plucked and replucked financially and so forth and so on. But they say that it takes five years to pastor a church. Actually, what, what, what they're saying is, Paul said, but in all things, approving ourselves as the ministers of God. People live in glass houses, the ministers do. They expect much more out of the mass, out of the pastor than they do themselves. And then they expect so much more out of the preacher's kids than they do everybody else's kids. I don't know why they do that with the family. I think it's very unfair to the kids. And I've never, I've never said, now you're, you're a preacher's kid, you act this way. I've never, I don't, Mandy's never heard that. Andrew's never heard that. I just said, be kids. Just be good kids. Just be God's kids. And that's all I've ever expected of them. But now a lot of folk expect more. Now, I've been here 26 years, going on 27 years. I can honestly tell you, From, and, from Andrew's birth. Now, I didn't do this to Mandy. I didn't expect her to ever preach. Although she's a pretty good one, according to Craig. <laughs> <laughs> a 
from the day Andrew was born, I have asked him never to do anything in this church or this community that people would lose respect. And that's been, that's been bred into that boy. Just in case God should want to use him one day. So somebody can't say, I remember when. Somebody's always pointing, I remember when. You remember when. That's what these folks have done to Paul. That's what he's done. And he said, I have so lived my life before you and before I got here that I might be approved minister of God. Notice, if you would please, as I close, the battles he waged. Verses 3 through 5. Notice the battles that this apostle, this preacher, this preacher of God. Notice the battles that he waged. Look at this. But in all things, approving ourselves as the minister of God in much patience. Another word would be endurance. In afflictions, in necessities, in distresses, in stripes, and in prisons, in turmoils, and labors, in watchings, and in fastings. Now may I remind you that these two or three verses... Is a picture of a soldier dressed for battle. Paul has no idea of retreating. He has no idea of a white flag. He said, look, God has called me to be a minister of God. And I have approved that. And I have proved that. And I am a picture of a farmer preparing the soil. A picture of a runner in a race. And the things that has befelt me is not because of bad decisions that I've made. It's because I have been in a battle with a devil and I'm a minister of God and I'm not going to quit. He said, now, you won't see my resume? He said, some of you... Tongue-talking ladies over in the church and should be silenced and sit down and shut up. If you want to learn anything, learn from your husband when you get to the house. By the way, that's 1 Corinthians 14. And some of you folks arguing about the resurrection, don't have enough faith in God that he can raise the dead. You need to ask your husband at the house. He said, now ladies, listen. Listen to my testimony, he said. He said, I am approved of God. And I did it not sitting down. What the, what's the coffee shop that everybody goes to? Starbucks. <laughs> he said, I didn't get this sitting on a stool down at Starbucks drinking $10 coffee. He said, I'm approved of God because of my endurance and patience. And I have afflictions and I'm still in the battle. In necessities, things that I need, I didn't have, but I didn't quit just because somebody had them and I didn't. 
and in distress. Have you ever been distressed? In stripes, that's not the American flag. That's from being beaten across the back with rods and sticks and cat of nine tails for preaching the gospel. And they said, we'll shut you up and we'll put you in prison. Paul said, no, you won't. You'll just move the revival from downtown to the jailhouse. Paul said, and some of you sissy, sissy two-shoes talking about you don't like the preacher. He said, I'm approved of God. The war that I've raised, the battle that I've waged, notice in stripes, imprisonments. Man, I've been imprisoned for God. I mean, not because he didn't pay his ticket. Paul's in prison because of good, not bad. He's in for preaching, not stealing. In turmoils, you know what that means? In mobs. Have you ever been around an angry mob? Man, that's enough to make anybody quit, but not Paul. In turmoils, in labors, that's enough to make a lot of Baptists quit today. Just work. In watchings. Everywhere I go, I watch somebody that needs to be saved. Everything I do, I'm watching for somebody to be saved. In watchings. Watching day and night, looking for somebody to be saved. In fastings. No, that's not to lose weight. That's because he didn't have anything to eat. That's when the cupboard was bare. Oh, I bet you thought that's when he is fasting so he could have the power of God in his life. No, that's when he was broke. Nothing in the closet. And the deep freeze were empty. He didn't quit. You see? Everybody wants in the ministry. Come on in. The water's fine. You know, I think the biggest, I think the biggest mistake a lot of guys do is when God calls them just to be a good Christian, they think God's called them to preach. And they surrender to preach. And later on, they figure out that God didn't really call them to preach. He would just call them into a deeper walk and a closer walk and a more fruitful walk and a maturing walk with him. And they just mistake that. And some preacher said, yep, God's calling you to preach. No, I think maybe you need to be careful before you jump in the water. You need to know how you do when the cupboard's empty. You need to know how you're going to do when it ain't fair and real good with you. You need to know that in this war, there is a battle raging. Notice, if you would please, not only the battle that he waged, notice the weapons that he used. You want to do that? How do you fight them kind of battles? Before we look any farther, let's go to 2 Corinthians 10. I've got to quit. Yeah, I'm done. Uh, What time is it? Look at 2 Corinthians 10, verse 4 now. Look at this. Yeah, verse 4. 2 Corinthians 10, for the weapons of our warfare are not what? Carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Now, what kind of weapons did the Apostle Paul use in his battles against imprisonments, watchings, labors, Afflictions, necessities, 
stripes. What kind of weapons did he use to fight the devil and his henchmen? Can I read them to you? Verse 6. By pureness, by knowledge, by long-suffering, by kindness, by the Holy Ghost, by love unfeigned, by the word of truth, by the power of God, by the armor of righteousness, or the right hand on the right hand and on the left. Don't see boxing gloves in that. I don't see foul language in that. I don't see getting even in that. Well, that quietened the crowd down, didn't it? How do you serve God through difficulties and despair? How do you serve God when everything's going wrong? How do you serve God when nobody understands? How do you serve God when everybody looks at you and says, I'm leaving? How do you serve God when everybody blames you? How do you do that? By pureness. Keeping your life pure. Just keep on doing right. Just keep going home to your wife and nobody else's. Just make sure your daughter's the only young ladies you hug. By pureness. How many men have been ruined by not staying pure? How many homes tonight has been absolutely devastated. Paul said, the weapons I used was not going out and get drunk. He said, I just uh, stayed pure by knowledge. That don't mean that you're any smarter than anybody else. It just means that Paul had been around And he had obtained a lot of experience and biblical knowledge. Biblical knowledge without experience can be kind of dangerous sometimes. And Paul said, I've been around the block more than once by long suffering. You say, preacher, I've been long suffering with you over these years. I should have left long time ago. You say... Well, see, be a lot easier if you leave than it would be for me. All you've got to do is move your letter. I'd have to move my family. So I'm not leaving. Just let you know that. Just right out the front. By kindness. You can be kind. You can be firm and kind. I think a lot of times we men don't think we can be kind and firm. I think we think we can be kind of firm and then she can do what she wants to. <laughs> and I, you know, and I, you know, I, I, I don't, I don't, I'm not going to tell you that, that I don't listen to my wife. Smartest person I know. Why shouldn't I listen to her? Sometimes it kind of bugs me because she don't want me to go anywhere by myself. And it's not because she's jealous. It's because she's not sure I'd have enough brains to get back by myself. Because <laughs> at this age, you never know when you're going to lose it all, right? 
and uh, she won't let me go hunting by myself anymore at night. She thinks I fall over something and can't get up. And uh, but you know, a home is a partnership. It's labors together, like a church. You, you don't you don't need any dictatorship. What you need is leadership and fellowship and companionship. You see what I'm talking about? And Paul said, look, I've been long-suffering and I've been kind. They threw me in jail. What did I do at midnight? I sang praises unto God. They stoned me to death. What did I do? I got up, started right back to the next synagogue preaching the gospel. Paul didn't point his old bony finger and say, you want to fight? Let's do it. Paul was kind. Close with this. The weapons that he received, that he used. And please let me show you the reputation that he gained in verses 8 through 10. Now this is the reputation that a preacher gets, a pastor gets. And I can identify with this. I wish I were, I wish I fell more into verses 6 through 8. I wish... I wish I could dwell there more. But notice, this is the reputation Paul received. By honor and dishonor, nine paradoxes that characterize the minister. By honor and dishonor, by evil report, good report, as deceivers and yet true. As unknown and yet well known. As dying and behold, we live. As chastised. And not killed, as sorrowful, yet always rejoicing, as poor, yet making many riches, having nothing, and yet possessing all things. Paul said, by honor and dishonor. Some's going to like you, and some's going to dislike you. Some's going to say you're great, and some's going to think you're, you stink. If you're a preacher, if you're a minister, if you're out in front of folk, some folk are going to like you, and some folk not going to. According to what political position they might address, if you're, if you're on the other side, they're not, they're not going to like you. Paul said, some liked me and some didn't. Some honored me, some dishonored. Some spoke evil and some spoke good. If you go in the city of Joshua, mention my name, you either pucker or duck, somebody's going to kiss you or slap you. I'd rather be that as one of them ecumenical, easy, smooth-talking individuals don't stand for anything. Come on. You know what I'm talking about. Well, do you know, you know Wolfenbarger down there? Josh, well, yeah, I know him. Didn't say I like him. Just said I know him. We're building several churches at this very moment. You know, they... Feel the Lord leading them here till I preach on something they don't like or maybe they do something I don't like. And then I address that. And then they put their little tail between their legs and run off and find God's will in the church of their choice. And they say, well, I don't like the way he said it. But there's one thing about it. They don't have to misunderstand it. And if you don't like that, you can bunt the next stump you run into. 
Some like it, some didn't. The Judaizers didn't like it. No, sir. The Peter followers didn't like Paul because he talked about grace. And you don't talk about grace if you're the adherent of the law. Some honored him, some dishonored him. Some liked him, some didn't like him. Got quite a testimony, you know. As a deceiver and yet true. Somebody says, well, he's a deceiver. And some said, oh, he's straight as a string. As unknown and yet well known. As ignoramuses are not so ignorant after all. As dying... Behold, we live. Paul said, man, I've come so close to dying. Folks wrote me up a tad. <laughs> and I got up, rolled the stones off of me. Got up, went down to synagogue and preached next Saturday. As dying. Yet, very much alive. Quite a testimony, huh? You want to be a preacher, do you? As chastened and not killed, they beat me through in prison. As sorrowful, yep, yet always rejoicing. As poor, yet making many rich. I've never seen many rich preachers do too much for God. You see, rich and preacher ain't supposed to be in the same context. You say, preacher, you got rich. No, I just got good credit. <laughs> There's a difference. You know that. Don't you? If you don't know the difference, you come and I'll tell you about it. You say, preacher, how did the church get to where it is today? Now, I want to tell you something. And I want you to be real careful with this. You say, now, how do you know that? Because I've been here from the first. And we had nothing 26 years ago. We had one 16-foot trailer and a pickup truck that I owed money on. And my wife and I drove that truck and that trailer to Walnut Springs. Got two and a half cords of wood. Came to the Metroplex and sold the wood and put the money in the church. Your church barred itself into wealth. But you've got to know when to quit borrowing and start paying. Everything you see here, we borrowed and bought it. Now, you folks who don't believe in credit, before you get up on your stump and start yelling... You might all look at the record. Check the credit. Check the assets against the liabilities. Before you start saying this is the only way. We borrowed money for the first building. We borrowed money for the second building. We borrowed money for the third building and the fourth building and the fifth building. And now $2 million for the sixth, eighth building. I don't How many buildings did you? Jim, how many air conditioners will we have when we get this other building built? 42 air conditioners right now. 
and they all go out every summer. <laughs> this is not bragging. This is not bragging. This is not bragging. But I'm not seeing very many rich preachers do a great work for God. Paul said, as broke, as busted, as beggarly, and yet as possessing everything. Isn't that wonderful? You know why? Because I'm plugged into the guy who owns it all. And he says, my God shall supply all of our needs according to his riches and glory. And that's what I've been trying to show you folk for 26 years. Well, you're, you're welcome. I'm done. I'm done. You know, a title of lessons, workers together. That's what we are. We're all just workers together. And I like that, don't you? Amen. Now, in your, in your notes there, if you'll notice something, the ministry involves the whole person. Notice this. Verses 3 through 5, the physical part. What he went through physically. Verses 6 through 7, what he went through emotionally. Verses 8 through 10 is what he went through spiritually. The ministry, serving God, whether it's you, me, or who, involves the total person. And that part of you that you reserve is the part that the devil's going to have a heyday with. Whether it's physical, emotional, or spiritual. That part of you that is not surrendered, that is not given to God, is the part that the devil's going to have a day day with. Second, First Thessalonians 5.23, And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray God that your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless to the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And everybody said, Amen.